This is music. Music. It's almost as important as food. I went all the way with my friend. You must resist this temptation. San Dimas, and uh, I bring to you a message of love. <laughs> from who? From, from myself. It's all night, you get real goose. You don't need no How about a big meatball sandwich? <laughs> no thanks, I just had breakfast. Don't let nobody pick your bone chicken. Daddy uses as a chance to put his testicles all over. Ah, it's what? Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of the Sin Beef Podcast. Uh, we've uh, cut up your regularly scheduled programming, if you will, if there was any scheduled programming, to um, give you an interview that uh, I was so gracious to accept from uh, the wonderful, uh, awesome genre actress. The lady of a thousand curls, it seems like, because she has a long, beautiful, curly hair, and she's very proud of this. Uh, Diane Franklin came on and talked to us for like an hour. Uh, You heard part of this if you've listened to Burning for Springwood, where we we, uh, covered her episode, The Bride Wore Red. But this is the whole thing, uh, talking about her whole career and her children and her life and giving us some good life advice. And I I, uh, I always appreciate that. And... um, I'd like to thank you, Diane, and uh, very, very much for this. It was amazing, amazing with your time, and very, very gracious. And, uh, yeah, you're awesome. Nah, tragic news. Uh, you heard at the beginning of the episode, uh, the audio package that I put together. It's not much, Diane, I'm sorry, but um, I'm not very good at that. But you heard the song uh, Shake It Up by The Cars, which is featured in the film The Last American Version, which Diane is in. We lost Rick Ocasek, who's the lead singer of the Cars. Uh, big loss to the music world. And I'm not going to talk too a, a crazy amount about him, because I know my co-hosts want to talk about him, and we had a couple more deaths, so you'll hear more about him on episode 150, uh, towards the back end of the episode. But uh, big loss to the world of the music, Rick Ocasek from the Cars. So much great music, so much great content you guys can dive into. And uh, I'm going to leave that sadness alone. And get real fucking happy, because... Diane Franklin is on the line, and you will hear it right about now. Uh, on the line right now, on this uh, very, very show, I have a lovely young woman. Uh, well, I will call her young, because she... Thank she, you. She, <laughs> aged very grac- she aged very gracefully, yes, indeed. Uh, she is a, a versatile genre actress you may all know and love from stuff like Terrorvision, The Last American Virgin, uh, Mediville, a couple of those Mediville films. We'll, talk, we'll get into that. Uh... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and much, much more. Miss Diane Franklin's here. How are you? Well, I am lovely. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes, I'm so glad to have you. Um, yeah, for, first, uh, i, I got to start off by asking, this This is stuff I haven't seen, because you, you started in the soaps, as I could see on here, and uh, you did some, some. I know you did, we'll, talk, we'll get into the, to, to the heavy stuff later, but I have questions about these TV movies that you made that, because it's yeah. like my kind of sleaze. Nice. Uh, Summer Girl and Deadly Lessons, which I, I found out they were on YouTube. So let's let's break it down right now. What's the deal with these movies? Um, <clears throat> it was funny because they, um, I think those films I did, I think after Last American Virgin. But yeah. the thing that was interesting about that film, th- those films, is I came from, like, I've been working in the business and acting since I was like 10 years old. And I could not get a lead. I could not. It, it was like not even happening. Like I, if I was, um, I would, I couldn't play the best friend really, which I would have. I thought it was, you know, I could be funny and like, but I wasn't the type that I guess looked like the best friend. Um, and sort of like in a way like, and I didn't have a name. So I, I just couldn't get past like, you know, that part of my, you know, work. So 
what was so bizarre is then when I got Less American Version, the minute that film hit, and I had, um, and it's a great thing because I have two books, and I wrote about my career and how it all happened, but basically, I was the first actress to bring curly hair into the 80s. I was the actual first person to wear curly hair in a feature film, but be considered pretty. It was the dream girl in that last virgin film that really changed everything. And I, I have to tell you, it's I realized it while it was happening because I had spent 10 years trying to have a different look and straighten my hair. So when you talk about these TV movies, what happened was all of a sudden I went from not having, you know, like having a extra part in Endless Love or straightening my hair for commercials and the, and the soap opera and theater to having a lead in a feature film and then leads in these movies of the week. So here I am having a lead in Deadly Lessons when Ali Sheedy was in the film as well. I mean, I was the girl who came to the to the prep school and she was she was definitely featured in it, but she had a bigger name than me. So that was so bizarre to me. I mean, she could have easily played my role as the innocent girl as well, but I'm the one who got the lead with this curly hair. Then Summer Girl, same thing. Like I was the, I think it was Diane Lane supposed to do it originally. And she turned it down and gave me person an opportunity. And CBS not originally on my side to do that film because I wasn't a Summer Girl. And their vision, I think I wasn't the, the beach girl, the look of the beach girl. And uh, there was a producer on the film and it was Roberta Haynes. She recently passed away, which is unbelievably sad she's the nicest sweetest woman and she was an actress back in i think the 50s and she was um beautiful and she went into producing and when she when i did summer girl she really got corner and fought for me to have that role so that was i have to say that was like a big step for television to have a curly haired girl play this lead who was basically an unknown that's what really was so bizarre to me is that Last American Virgin, um, I maybe it sort of just came out, or but it wasn't like anybody knew. It was sort of like, oh, she's up and coming, she's up and coming. So kind of interesting when networks and uh, studios hear that you're acting and you you're like you can handle a lead or you're the next person. But this curly hair brought it in into full frame, and it was just crazy. And those two movies, I did them pretty soon, like after each other, and. Um, Deadly Lessons, so cool, about a, a girl who comes to a uh, prep school. Like a, I was sort of like a farmer's girl, come to a prep school, and all the girls are very um, snooty, and they don't, they don't like me. And uh, Bill Paxton played my uh, love interest. He was like the kind of worked on the farm, and we fell for each other. And um, But one by one, girls start getting murdered. But that's a really cool one because that was before we all really sort of hit as actresses, like Ali had just done War Games. She didn't hadn't done um, Breakfast Club yet. And Nancy Cartwright, who does the voice for uh, the Simpsons film, uh, Simpsons uh, animated series, who plays Bart Simpson, this was before she uh, did that as well. And so that's her, like a nice on-camera role for her as well. And uh, so it was kind of amazing <clears throat> as actresses how we all work together and then, you know, we, who knows what happens in the future? You know, we never, you don't know, you know, but we were all young and um, we got along great. We had a great time working together and we shot it in Los Angeles. I was living in New York at the time. So I was brought out to do it. And uh, so Deadly Lessons is really cool. And one by one, people get murdered and you'll see what happens. It's a really good twist, um, unless you want me to tell them. But, but um, I, I, I want to watch it for <laughs> sure because um, yeah. I see you got Larry to work Wilcox with these. Is in it. These veteran yeah. actors, yeah, Donna Reed, Larry Wilcox, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, De Larry Wilcox, uh, he plays policeman, and Donna Reed, um, she played the the mother, like the woman who was in charge of the uh, the boarding school, which was really interesting because she, Donna Reed, actually competed with Roberta Haynes um, as actresses. That was if you went blonde and, you know, you went with Donna Reed and the dark hair and dark, you know, more ethnic look was, uh, Roberta Haynes. So it was interesting to me later on. I mean, I didn't realize this when I worked with Roberta on summer girl later, but it was so interesting that that was sort of her nemesis. So that was the person that she was always coming up against as far as looks, you know, uh, and you like got the, the blonde versus the dark. From what I read, you get to seduce Barry Bostwick in this movie. This was going on here. <gasps> 
Okay, so now we get to Summer Girl. And Summer Girl was the juiciest role. In fact, that was the closest I ever got to getting an award for a film um, because they wanted, uh, they submitted me uh, to be nominated for uh, an award. But I, my career I was really early in my career. And um, I don't know, you know, it's it's political and it's kind of crazy. But um, that was such a wonderful role. And I go, I play an actor. A girl who's going to babysit for this family during a summer vacation in Hawaii. And I come in very homely and you wind up seeing that after they hire me, I become much more beautiful and sort of, uh, I'm seductive. And so the mother who's played by Kim Darby, who I, this is the first time I work with Kim, who is amazing. Love Kim. She's so wonderful. Uh, we had a great time working on a drama and then later on better off dead. Um, but in this case, she was, uh, I, I kind of come into the family and I create like, I, you wind up finding that I'm schizo. Uh, I think it was, uh, multiple personalities nice. so um and disorder and certainly um it's definitely kitschy you know there's like you know uh but at the same time i just i mean that's 80s you know like the bathing suits were so hilarious i remember having to put them on and just like making sure that i didn't fall out of them you know mm-hmm. <laughs> because they were so they were super duper sexy but they were sexy in a way like that wasn't even what was worn during that time i mean it was they were unusually sexy uh, in this. So uh, it, that's a good note. It, some people think it's like the, my best work ever. They love this film because oh, um, I, I definitely I, am evil. I yeah. have to check it out. I mean, I, I love, I love goopy melodrama. I, I currently watch Riverdale and yeah. I'm addicted and you know, there's a, oh. <laughs> you will love I, this. You will, if you guys, if whoever sees summer girl, I mean, it is such a, Great movie. And Barry Bostwick and I, we we hit it off. We just he's lovely. I mean, I still see him at conventions oh. now. Love Barry Bostwick. He's, we had the best time. He's he's such a talented guy and he could play anything. He's um just loved being able to seduce him. That was really fun. It was just like really fun. He was such a good guy. And then Hunt Block played my um uh my boyfriend, and you'll see what I do with him, like crazy stuff, like just so it was a juicy role. I'd have to say, like, that is perhaps my juiciest part, you know, yeah, dream Bo- part. Boswick is one of the only guys ever shook his hand, and I felt like less of a man. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's That's just, really like, funny. so, he's, like, so, like, stoic, and, you know, he's, he's got it yeah. there, you know, and it's, it's amazing. I love him so much. Uh, yeah, he's amazing uh, because what I love about Barry is that he's, like, a song and dance man, you know? Like, he is so... It's almost like, you know, you look at a, you know, when you have, when you look at an actor, you say, what are they? Are they musical theater? Are they, you know, are they dramatic actor? Are they comedian? We as, as an audience try to identify that person with something, um, but they may have many, many talents, you know, and he's one of those people where if you saw him on stage and you never saw anything else, you'd say, oh my gosh, he's singing and dancing guy. I mean, you see him in Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know, mm-hmm. um, but uh on the other hand, like, you know, in this role, he's very dramatic and handsome and has a beautiful voice. And uh, I think he's done it all. He's one of those actors that I think he's just done it all. You know, it's just an interesting guy. So have you seen, anyway, uh, have you seen FDR American Badass? No. You, you have to see F- yes, he's in it. He plays FDR in a, in a, <gasps> in a, in a, in a jacked up wheelchair with guns and oh. stuff on it. Oh, he must, he must, I mean, he must be amazing. That uh, must be great. Yeah, it is, right? It is hilarious. It's, it's very yeah. funny. He's great. Um, I was going to also say that what's wonderful about Summer Girl is that it is, um, you know, I mean, obviously anybody can see it. It's, uh, you know, TV. That's what makes TV movies great is that anyone can watch it, you know, uh, whereas a lot of other films, you know, I have are, are mature. I don't know what you call it now, mature. Um, so Summer Girl's like anybody can see it, but it is um, we shot it in Hawaii. And, uh, let's see. We shot it on Oahu on the north side um, where they shot uh, Return to Paradise, which I think was probably very cool because uh, that's where um, Roberta Haynes, I think, uh, was in that film and she shot it there. So it was just lovely. It was uh, a wonderful experience and it was a highlight in my television uh, career, I would say. All right. And I get down to the down and dirty stuff here, a film in which, right. you know, that the guy made you breakfast, paid for your abortion, and you dissed him hardcore. The last American yeah. version. Mm. Tell us all about it, girl. 
Well, let me say, I first of all, can't still to this day, can't believe that this movie is remembered or out there or even even got to the theaters or like, I mean, seriously, when we got the script, um, when I got the script, not every movie was made because not every movie got the distribution. Um, it, you know, and so when that, when we got the script a Canon, this was like one of the early films Canon ever put out. And so those companies didn't even exist. You had to go to the big studios to make movies. So the independent film market was very, uh, it was just, you just didn't count on things coming out. Um, there wasn't even VHS, so it couldn't go even directly to VHS. There was just not possible. It had to go to theaters. Kind of interesting. So um, that's like way, way, way back there. So so Virgin, oh my gosh. And then I was thinking when I first did it, like people are just not going to like me at this movie because I'm so, I'm bad at the end. But what's so fascinating for me over the years is that actually that wasn't true. People fell in love with my character. And so I gained a lot of fans from that film. And I had no idea that was happening at the time of doing it. I, I did it, but I didn't know that people would be like wanting to work with me. And I have to tell you, I got so much work from that film. I got work that was in all aspects of the business, television, film, series, because people loved that movie and they loved me in that movie. And so it it was kind of a surprise. I mean, certainly I would never expect it, but I would say that to actors, I mean, no matter what you do, if you commit and you do, it comes from your heart, you know, and you give it your all, you can't worry about anything. You can't look back because, you know, commit to whatever you take. Don't just be like, oh, you know, you, you, you chose it for it, you know? So I have a soft spot for that film. That's even though I'm sorry, I would have, Personally, uh, chosen Gary, even though, you know, I we just discussed, you know, <laughs> maybe that's not a smart idea. Um, but at the time, we all, the, all the actors, we all looked at each other and went, well, they're going to change this ending, right? It, it's going to be a happy ending. It's last American version. I mean, you're going to talk about America. We have happy endings. And the director was like, no, this is not where it's going to be. This is like my life. It is about my life. And uh, lovely Boaz Davidson, writer, director. Um, by the way, I have to say, go, you go writers and directors, because you have the vision for the film and the film will turn out wonderful. If you stay on your own project, you know, the minute you give it up, it's, it won't have the vision. It won't have the heart, you know? So this is, I think that's what you see in this film. Well, for, from, you know, the, 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 the doc, I, I didn't see it till after I saw Electric Boogaloo because I was way behind on the, the, all these movies. I, oh, I, cool. I watched it after that. And I'm oh, sure wow. I'm, so you saw Electric Boogaloo first, then yes. you saw Virgin. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so, interesting. What did, were, you, were you surprised? <laughs> it, it, well, you know what? Watching it in context of the film, it, it is the yeah. title of the film. He is the last American version. So the yeah. fact that he got so dismissed in the end, he's just the, the last shot of the film is him sobbing in his car. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's probably going to go home and masturbate and cry during that, too. Just, it, it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if. If. Like, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, you just, like, yeah. You, you watch it. I was like, yeah, she, she dissed him, you know, but. Yeah, you still feel real bad for him because yeah, yeah, and you and you know there was supposed to be a sequel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't signed in for the uh, signed up for the sequel, um, but I and I guess because they probably moved on to another girl. I don't know, uh, or maybe they don't want Karen back. I don't know, but um, I do know that there is a person who really was Karen. There was a real girl, and mm-hmm. Boaz did s- play the film for her. And uh, she cried. She didn't. She had no idea how she affected him. So it is. It's amazing. You know. Look, I know that that film is. What's so amazing about it is there's so many happy endings in America, like in stories. This film would not be talked about today if it didn't have that ending. This and is true. And, you know, and and it is such a um, time capsule for '80s information because it's '80s clothing, '80s uh, music amazing soundtrack yes it is um beautiful soundtrack and uh, i don't even know how they got that music uh you know at the time they just got it before everybody you know knew what they had i guess but um but and then it's also the 80s subject matter the sex and the nudity and the the um uh, drinking and the drugs and all the kids in that film were played by teens i was 19 when i did it i think lawrence was 17 
and he didn't tell anybody. So it was like we were all, I mean, Steve, I think was in his 20s, but um, and I think Kimmy was in her 20s, but but we were all really young. And my basic uh, idea was that the thing that makes this film really outstanding is it was the first film that had young people playing real young people. And it also made the the characters were like adults. I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but when you were a teenager, didn't you feel like an adult? I mean, didn't you feel like, okay, I, you know, I got to deal with adult issues. Well, sure. You, you felt know? that way, but at the yeah. same time, you, you still didn't own a car. You still oh, absolutely. Didn't, have, you didn't have your own money. Really? You're just no, kind of that absolutely. guy, you know? But you think you did emotionally, you're like, you know, I need a drink or like, you know, like I've got to smoke or like there's parts of you that go to that place because you feel like that is, I don't know, it feels adult. I don't know. But in this film, these kids are dealing with adult issues, too, you know, so um, this is interesting, you know, and and you know what? Honestly, like, look, I mean, if you had a friend and you liked a girl and I mean, at any age and your best friend went out with her and, you know. It's it it's tricky at any age. I think um, you know romance and dating is tricky. We do another show. We do two drink minimum commentaries. We did this show, this movie for like a Valentine's Day show, and mm-hmm. uh, we were all in agreement that if you would have went for not not for Kimmy's character, but the the, the other girl in your group, that. He, he would shoot him with a sure thing and he would have been a lot more happier, I think. You know? Oh, 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 yes. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Winnie or like, uh, yeah, who played uh, yeah, when, when they had the three girls, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. And that was the other thing, too. Like you go to that part of the beginning with the cocaine and the, you know, going in the other room and just like, oh, my gosh. And uh, Joe Rubo, he was so wonderful in that film. So funny. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, you know, if you're if you're a guy like, you know, it's hard, you know, how, who do you pick? How do you date? You know? Yeah. All right. Um, Amityville, you, you played the role of the daughter in, in the possession and you played the role of the mother in um, Amityville Murders, right? That's what the other one's called. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's what's yeah. that process like? I'm, I'm sure because yeah, you had Burt, Burt Young in, in both the films and that, yeah. that's a yeah. Tell it's us, a story. Tell us about it. Yeah, that this uh, the fact that I played the daughter in Amityville Two, and then I played the mother in Amityville Murders. I am the only actress that's ever played the mother and the daughter in the same story. Essentially, it's the same story. Well, first of all, it's based on the true story of a, a boy, um, uh, Butch uh, DeFeo, who murdered his family in 1974 in Long Island in Amityville, New York, and um, the. Very bizarre situation was that when he murdered everyone in his family, including the kids, every nobody woke up like and everyone was laying on their stomach. And and it's a very odd situation because they that's sort of like what they did in an Indian burial ground where they at on that property, all the people who died in this burial ground were laying face down on the ground so it's there's supernatural aspects to it and also um there's it, it was just it's complicated but it was very uh but it's based on true story and so basically that story lives on in itself just you know as a historic event um and then what happened was with us like the amityville 2 when i was playing the daughter that was a sort of um they didn't want to call us the defeos because they didn't want to like pay i think the rights for it um so we they called us the montellis but i play this daughter in that and what's amazing is for me to play the mother in this now amityville murders which just came out this year actually came out february um and march and you can get it on blu-ray and dvd i didn't even know if it's um out on at Netflix yet. I think they tried to get a Netflix, but it'll eventually come out net, on Netflix. Netflix. Uh, but the idea of me playing the mother and coming from the mother's perspective now was crazy because when I played the daughter, I had to stay really innocent and I had to sort of, I mean, even though there were some non-innocent issues, which happened, I have incest in the film with my brother, which was speculative um, at the time of Butch DeFeo and his uh sister um who uh was i played don uh, Mon- I, who was named don 
DeFeo. Um, they kind of had sort of, they thought maybe there was incest. They're not sure. Um, they, that's, again, the, the issue is very sort of convoluted. But I played the daughter in the first one, and I was sort of trying to keep the scary aspect away. I didn't research the character at the time because I didn't want to scare myself. And I knew that I had to be the ultimate in- innocent in that situation. And then now as the mother, I engrossed myself in it. And I had tried to know all the details because now I was the protector. And now I was the matriarch of the family. And so it was a, such a different experience. It was, as an actress, a dream. It was a dream because you got to see like what the perspective of the family was. And again, honestly, going through it twice, I mean, going through screaming and crying every day, both films, I was like crying and screaming and um, nervous and scared. Uh, It's traumatic. The first time I did the film, I got like a gray streak in my hair um, after finishing the film. And then this one, I had problems sleeping. I could and I could not sleep on my stomach. I was having nightmares. It was very different. And I I'm I laugh and I joke. Um, but when I get into a part, I get real serious and I get into it. And uh so it was very interesting. I had, because I shot it locally, I came back, I would come home and you know, I tried not to give the energy to my family. Like I would just stay sort of more isolated. You know, I do my stuff, you know, I had to clean or do food or whatever, you know, like family stuff, you know, oh, you know, talk to people. But I really tried to stay isolated um, as much as I could with my, the darker emotion. And then I would go like, okay, I'm in the car. Like I'd be driving to the set and I'd get my, the head. And so it was heavy duty. You know, it's um, the Amityville 2 film, um, the, is, People think it's the scariest of the whole series. They think it's the most real. And they, uh, it's, in fact, Quentin Tarantino was a huge, is a huge fan of the film, which is to me like, what a gift. <laughs> like, that he thinks this is a great, he loved me in the film. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I can't, you know, what better gift is that, you know, to have him love the film? And uh, then with, um, what was I going to say, the um, Avenueville murders? You will not be disappointed. It's not a horror film, essentially, because there's not a lot of blood or guts. You know, it's more of a psychological, true crime, you know, true scary story. So you have to watch it with that in mind, because I think that if you are looking for blood and guts and things shooting out, that's not what this film is. It's a true horror in life film as opposed to horror special effects film. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I, I uh, totally know what you're saying. Suzanne, my co-host that couldn't be here, she she really wanted to. Uh, she, she watched it. I, I didn't get to watch it, watch it, actually. But she, uh, I know she really dug it. And I really dig you and the co-stars that are in that film. Some great character actors in there. That's one thing you're blessed with. We're such great character actors. and Yes. Uh, oh, Bert. Oh, my gosh. What a gift. Seriously. I work with Bert as my dad. And then ye- who would ever ever expect i mean if you told me years ago that i'd be working with bird again i would have been like that's not even a possibility how is that and we had the best moment i'm telling you on screen when you see us working together that was us seeing each other again you know for the first time i mean really just the love that we had for each other like just so wonderful so um i'm glad it's on film it's beautiful he he seems like he's like a real tough guy on screen but He's like a real tender guy in person. I, I see the paints and everything, and he's oh. really into that. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like he is the sweetest guy. I think I think that what it is is Bert's women have always been a weakness for Bert, and I think when he's with women, he softens up. But then when he's like you know with guys, you like toughens up. So um, you know he's uh, he's a sweetheart. He's a great guy. I have nothing but wonderful things to say about him. Cool. Um, and uh, I was gonna say also. Oh, so yeah, so this is not as horrorish, but uh, Freddy's Nightmare is horror, you know? Yeah. Now that we're talking about more horror, uh, which I think, you know, is exciting, now, the episode I did. We've been watching these episodes, and they seem kind of disjointed in some parts, like they should be like two separate episodes. Mm-hmm. Now, I got to ask you the, the, the tough questions. What is the okay. create? What is the creative process like? You're an episode called "The Bride War Red," which we covered on our, our the latest episode. And uh, what was that creative process like? What was that that 
that work environment like? What was the the writing process like? I, 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 all these things we all we we, we all want to know. We're uh, we're burning for information here about the show. Okay, all right. So first of all, you're right. It probably should have been done in two episodes. Um, and I think we shot it in like seven days, and it was intense because I'm in most of it and. I mean, most of it in a bizarre way. Like it's my character has so many levels. Um, and so it, it's very somewhat confusing. I would have to say the most disjointed part of it to me was like when we flashback to me as a little girl, like I was like, what is this? I didn't even know that they would like have me wear the costumes and do the and, you know, sh- shoot that aspect of it. Um, it was I mean, I guess because it's a nightmare, you can go anywhere. Uh, so, but I didn't realize when we did it, unlike like Summer Girl, you do see me go and look in the mirror and I get all freaked out. Um, in this case, uh, it's sort of like all of a sudden you're going, whoa, like what is, <laughs> I mean, you would, I think in a, another way you would have had somebody else, like a little kid cast to play me but for me to play little girl is super weird so that's that was only my take of like what's happening but then in the end like oh my gosh the the chainsaw like that to me was super freaky and uh um I just had so many different aspects of it I guess and then it's this it's a very psychological story so there's a lot there's horror with the you know there's horror aspect that it's more of a psychological I guess piece because when you get married, it brings up your family. It, it, and I'm just telling people who are thinking about getting married, it brings up family issues. Um, and I, it could be good or bad, but it will bring it up because – and it's like even when you have kids, it brings your family issue because that's what you know. That's what you're comfortable with. So in this case – the girl had a problem with her dad because I think the dad was unfaithful and then the the guy had a problem being involved with the girl. I think he felt his freedom was going to be taken away and so he had the fantasies of being with the prostitute um, and so there's – I think this episode is definitely very complex and ambitious to have put in an episode of – Freddy's nightmares. We, we had a discussion of like, like, yeah, we discussion about like stuff that was happening in the episode. It's like, yeah, this is Freddy's nightmares. They, they could be dreaming all this stuff, like the him dreaming of the woman in red, because the episode's right. called The Bride Wore Red. But you know, did you don't wear red? This is this is woman that they just kind of throw away. It's just kind of you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I mean, I guess the I guess it was titled The Bride. I mean, to me, like, I think that even that title, I think may have been a callback to something previously, like another something in history, like a filmmaking or something. But the bride wore red is, uh, it's like a sexual thing, you know, is she's not innocent, you know, it's red's a sexual color and a aggressive color. So as opposed to white, which is sort of pure and innocent and there's no history. Um, and I think, you know, it refers to, you know, blood and like, you know, getting, the um, losing your virginity, possibly. I don't know. It's, a, it's. I think it's. It's metaphorical to for a lot of things. It's. It's really strange because when you're watching no. it, it, it's like there's a scene in which you're riding on an exercise bike, and he's talking about they haven't. We haven't had sex in 13 days or something. And oh all yeah. Sudden, all of a sudden, you guys are like on your honeymoon. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Oh yeah, you're like, right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Oh, I forgot. That's so you're right. Like, yeah, like, okay, so yeah, time, you're right. That's right. It's disjointed. All of a sudden time has passed and there's no establishment of time going by. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. That is funny. Oh, I like this. I like your points. Tell me more. <laughs> oh, there's the Oh man, my my points and my co host points. Like I said, these these are a lot more fun to talk about than they are to watch. And it's no offense to your performance of the episode. Yeah. It's just some of these are just wacky. And it's more yep. fun. To, it's more fun to talk about, you know, the goofy stuff of the episode than it is to say, you know, because yours, your episode is one of the ones that's actually more cohesive than most. Oh, and, and, and as far as like story goes, because some of these, mm-hmm. they take a tertiary character that you've seen for like two seconds, and they dedicate the whole second part of the episode to them, and like <gasps> it just doesn't. Oh, work. I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, and you're asking about the writing process. Well, I'll tell you something. I don't think they gave uh, the series people enough time. And also, I want to tell you something. I never met Freddy Krueger. He was in the sort of the interstitial commercial things where, you mm-hmm. know, he was, you know, they'd cut to him to, to remind the audience, oh, yeah, this is a Freddy's nightmare. But I never worked with him, which was really sad because I really would have loved to because I know Heather Langenkamp and, you know, I know she's obviously, you know, uh, with him. And I also it was kind of it's sad that she wasn't involved in it. Um, but I think they wanted to focus on Freddy. You know, it was his property or his or they were focusing on that um he, he was he on was the property the, he, of he Freddy was the Cooper. host you know yeah. that like the crypt keeper type character and yeah it works really well because the puns are, are plenty and yeah that's where that's, that's right. where you needed a show like this you know <laughs> well you know you're right because for tv honestly like you got you want to have something scary but not too scary and making jokes about it and and making puns i mean it is campy you know, I have to absolutely. It's not like, you know, it's not like Amityville. Amityville is like super duper scary. But I would say like what it's it's like fun, scary. Um, I think it was an entertaining episode, though. Yeah. When we we, we, so we have a lot of fun watching them. And um, I, I, I appreciate them more now than when I used to watch like the three same three episodes that I can only get on VHS, you know, back in the day. Cause right. they, after a while, they just fell out of syndication. They just weren't around anymore. They're not like a, a tales from the dark side that was just still everywhere. Yes. And yeah, you're right. Remember you know, there was a certain amount of things you could watch on TV and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, I like about what you're doing when you talk about like Freddy's nightmare is because, um, nightmares it's because they, um, you know, um, what is it? Uh, there was a, there's a show on TV that used to talk through films that were like B films, mm-hmm. and um, now my mind it's gone. It's a mystery science right theater, now. mystery science, yes, theater mystery science theaters, yeah. yeah. And none of the films that I did they could do that with, and I always wanted that. <laughs> I always like thought because I like that show, you know. So I was always sort of wanting them to be able to to watch a uh, you know like an episode and then make comments so mm-hmm. i'm glad you could do it with this because i think to me like you know it really has to do with your mood when you watch something sometimes you want to watch something that's really deep something intense sometimes you want to watch something really goofy uh and i just think that when you're relaxing at the end of the day you may not want to watch something intense and so i love the fact that you you know are commenting on freddie's nightmares well i know you know, you know certain uptight people who would just sit there and just like hate watch it and say why are we watching this why are we watching this like the whole time right. and i've never been that person to yeah. do that because you know I figure like, there's an audience for everybody. Exactly. And no, I like exactly. a lot. I, I like a lot of goofy things, so that that's me. Yeah. Like Terrorvision. Terrorvision was totally goofy. Oh, uh, you know that is that is my you're my absolute favorite in that movie. Oh, uh, I loved playing that character, and it was so much fun. It was a live action cartoon. I mean, that was. At the time, you know, now we see things and people act like this all the time. You know, mm-hmm. you might even see like that kind of acting sort of on the Disney Channel or you know what I mean like things are over the top but that wasn't during the 80s we no people didn't do that that was considered let's say you know in a way like bad acting but at the same time we did that all with intention because we knew it was a, a parody of the 80s so um you know I have to say like well film's gone a long way it has yeah. come a long way today you do a short film or a film that's you know even like a kid can make a film and it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot better than it was in the 80s you know because those films perhaps people didn't have the chance to practice their their craft you know people didn't have a chance to make more and more films and experiment because you had to buy the foot film and it was you had to rent the equipment and it was very expensive really hard to get um but today i think filmmaking has exploded and people become excellent filmmakers we have more sophisticated audience people consider who watch films i mean more of a layman is understands oh um i like the music i i they didn't have enough special effects i you know the costumes were great like we are much more discerning as an audience than we ever have and the younger audience is more discerning it's it's amazing they're just so smarter you know so much smarter about what they see if you look at who worked on this film you know i I love ted nicolau i mean i'm a full moon kid at heart i i I love the work he done there and the work he's done with this movie and Oh, he's, he has another subspecies film coming now. Uh, that That's coming. Yes, I heard about that. I was so excited for him. I'm, he's a love. He's just a love. He's so great. He's you, so you, cool. 
You made this in Rome, right? This this movie? This uh, Yes, we made Terrorvision in Rome out of I mean, and again, no reason. There is absolutely no reason, um, except for the fact that it probably was cheaper for them to shoot it in Rome. Um, mm-hmm. But it was wonderful. I mean, who wouldn't want to shoot a film in Italy? Seriously, uh, that was incredible. Uh, and uh, it was just it was so fun working with Jonathan Grice and Mary Warnov and Garrett Graham. Oh, man, what a cast. Um, like classic, classic actors. Um, I would love Jonathan, to say yeah. if, if I had like an eight-year-old child, I could show them Terrorvision. But yeah. it's one of those things like just just the Futterman's house. I would oh. have to explain to that child. Oh my gosh! That freaking yeah. sex palace that they have in that yeah. movie. Well, you know that's the great the irony of what happened. Ted, it wasn't an intention for us to have that uh, the background with those nude uh, paintings that wasn't the it wasn't in the script it wasn't i mean it was idea of being a pleasure palace but what happened was when he translated that information to the italian uh art crew and the design crew they came up with this design and they just did it so what happened was that is the example of why it could not have been pg-13 which is really a shame because i really think that film would have flown and been like a real Super duper cult classic if it had um, at the time, but in a sort of way, in a, in a retrospect, I think now it's like a jewel that people have rediscovered because people didn't see it that much today. It is shockingly one of my top um, things that when I go to a convention, people ask for. You know, t- they love television. Mm-hmm. If you Which if is, you watch if you watch it, you know the family is totally eighties because the parents. How many times do you know have you talked to like a kid that that grew up around the same time you grew up, yeah. in which their parents either worked or went and did their own thing while the kids were left home alone? Yeah. And in, in this case, with an alien invasion, where you know, you know, bless with so many dead people, Diane, uh, John Carl Buechler did did the the effects for this movie, and oh, I, I love yeah. those creatures so much. They were real. They were real. We were on set with real monsters. It wasn't CGI. And how fun. I mean, I love that monster. It was like a giant, messy dog. It was like saliva. Like they put, they put like all this goo on it. It was uh, so much fun to work on a film where there actually is a monster. And there were people inside it. I think it was like two people had to make the monster move. And tremendous amount of artistic fun and talent went into that. I mean, it was a blast. I wonder where that monster is today, actually. Somewhere, probably some, probably falling apart somewhere, it. unfortunately, you know, because they're, they're not very well tended to sometimes, and the latex breaks down, and it, 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 I've seen some, some ugly pieces that oh, no, pe- people, people have restored and lovingly, but yeah, there's a guy that found the, um, the green goblin head from Maximum Overdrive and found Ooh. it as, as a shell in the junkyard and rebuilt it from the ground up, and it's gorgeous, Whoa. you know. See, I love that. That's like people telling me about the Better Off Dead uh, Camaro. Like, I think someone had it in, or still has it maybe in, in Florida. Someone has that actual car, the Camaro. And I think they are taking beautiful care of it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, yes. And, and I have the original coat that I wore in the film. So yeah, these mementos are valuable, you know. Yeah, at the Hollywood show, it was lovely. You know, you, you, that's what I love about yes. you. you. You carry a torch for these films where other people would just, you know, discard them. Yeah. You know, and I, I I love that about you. And oh, thank you. I really do. I mean, I I think nostalgia is so it, it's important. Um, and I think I really respect the love of my fans for the for remembering me and in, in things. And also, you know, they care enough, and it can go to the next generation, and they can learn something, or they can. Uh, there's everybody can get something from it. So yeah, no. And I, I have to tell you, there's a lot of actors who do just diss the work. They go, look at this, but don't look at this. You know, I, as an actor can do all this work. I can't choose what my audience will remember me as. Um, a lot of people remember me now as the Bill and Ted princess, which I didn't have a very big role, but honestly, um, that's what's the new generation remembers. So you can't choose what your audience will remember. You can only put it out there, do your best work, and then let that then let that be the memory for whoever watches it. You know, I can uh, say who, who that, knows I'll be remembered. That's kind of a funny thing, you know. I can say that's the one that I've seen the most because it was it's, it came out right in that sweet spot. I was probably nine, ten years old when it came <laughs> out, and 
It was a it was a heavy rental in, in my house. And Aww. and I, it was a, it's a great it. film. People show it at schools. You know that first Bill and Ted's. It was it it affected so many people. They love that film. I I, I gotta ask because he was like the sweetest man in the world. But what's Keanu like? Oh, you know what? He is a lovely guy. I mean, he was actually very respectful and very cool. Um, I. I would say most of the time I just I my major memory was of him being the dude like playing his character. Mm-hmm. Um he was I think more shy when I met him at the beginning um personally, but when he became his character, I mean maybe that's part of the, you know, his process too, but he was just adorable. I mean so cute. And uh I, I wish that we had spent more time because together cuz we didn't do a lot of the um because we weren't, we were in sections. We were at the beginning and then the or at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a wonderful time, and it was great when we brought George Carlin in because we got all, you know, we got all to work together, and it was just a wonderful moment. Oh, we if, actually, if Car- you know, if- we've shot a lot. We shot another extra scene that wasn't hasn't been. Um, we actually did go to the prom with the uh, the guys, the dudes. We did go to the San Dimas prom, and we mm. shot. Scene, um, but they didn't want to end the film that way, so they reshot it. But somewhere there's this beautiful footage. I would say that it's never been seen. I haven't even seen that, so I saw some stills. But uh, but anyway, yes, Keanu is a dream, a love boat. He's just a sweetheart. So that's, that's um, another one with a lot of great yeah. character actors in it. I that yeah, you recognize them more today. Like you know, how dope was it? You got to work with Jane Weedlin, possibly. I don't know if you guys spent any time together, but. I've always, no, loved I've, I've always loved the Go-Go's and, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I did not get to work with her, but I actually may wind up seeing her at a Bill and Ted screening because it's the 30th year anniversary of Bill and Ted's one, crazy. which is crazy. I can't even believe it's been 30 years. Um, but she, I think, may very possibly be there. And so I'm very excited to meet her um, if she is. It's a, I think it's going to be at the Burbank film festival of some sort so i think they're going to show a screening of it um but i hope i for the audience people i don't know if they know this but um i'm going to be at the hayworth theater i think it's um in it's called the dynasty theater i think in los angeles on august 30th and i think it's at 10 p.m kim kimberly um Robertson, Kim, Kimmy Robertson and myself are going to be there for a last American Virgin tribute. So nice. if anyone is in the area, they should come because it's going to be really uh, just an amazing experience and event. We're going to do a Q&A for that, too. Nice, nice. Yeah, um, I guess I not, I could talk about many things with you, but you got to work with uh, one of my favorite people um, twice, at least twice. Uh, Savage Steve Holland. I'm better, better off dead and how I, I go to college, him. you know, yes. I got to college. He's the best. Savage, Steve Holland, such a talented writer, director. When we did Better Off Dead, loved that film. That was his first film. He was very young. I mean, I'm thinking, I was going to say 24 or 26, something like that. And boy, uh, what a great cast. Everybody who did that film loved it. They loved him. They loved working for him. Uh, I think one of the things about Better Off Dead that makes it stand out is he hired such great people and everybody was so excited to work on a film that didn't have anything gratuitous. It mm. didn't have any violence, gratuitous language, um, sex. It was just funny and that was very unusual for actors because usually actors have to like do things that, you know, that might be embarrassing or might be something that they wouldn't necessarily want to watch themselves. But everybody loved the film and wanted to be a part of it. Uh, I couldn't believe Vincent Schiavelli, who was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, yeah. agreed to do it. And he, you know, playing the teacher, he was hilarious. Well, he was just Amazing. in Fast Times not much before that, yeah. though, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, great, anyway. great character actor too. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, so yeah, no better off dead was wonderful. And Savage, uh, we did one crazy summer. I was actually in that film, but they had to cut me out for time, mm. but I kind of like do a wink and a nod to, to, uh, John in that film. I always wonder where are the, where's the, where's the footage? Like, why didn't they keep it? But who knows? You know, I, well, maybe they well, don't keep it, Warner's but I'm like, funny, imagine man. if they let me did. Tell you. Well, Warner's, yeah. they, they're really funny about releases of mine. They're getting better at it now, but 
like Creepshow, for instance, there was like a whole mm-hmm. like ninety minute documentary. I guess they didn't care, think that Americans wanted, so they put it on the UK disc, and that was it was on there for the longest time. It was called Just Desserts, and I think that Warner's is sitting on a whole lot of stuff that we don't know about. So, I oh, think- I see what you're saying. And then they like released it. They thought, oh, nobody wants to see this, but then we do. Yeah, you know, we want to see. We want to see the yeah. outtakes and or the things that you know maybe didn't make it. You know, I think my, my most favorite thing, and I, I love Savage Steve Holland, but and I'm a game show kid at heart. Uh, this is the guy that invented the whammy for Press Your Luck. And oh, I, I thought this was like the greatest thing ever when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I, had, I didn't know that. That's hilarious. The whammy. That was so funny. I, I got to ask my friend, my friend Suzanne would, would I, I know we, we spoke to you. You can't speak an unkind word about somebody, which I, which I love about you, but. We met. I've met John. She's met John. Both times were pretty anticlimactic. Oh, yes. They're pretty uneventful. Uh-huh. What's, what's the deal? Is he just like depressed or something? Because he's, okay. he's kind of cold to That's people. That's really a good question. Um, I recently did a convention where I was so happy he agreed to do it with me because you know, um, you know, John is like huge. He's a huge star and. I didn't even know, like, you know, I knew that the fans would love it. I knew that the fans would be so excited to see us together. Um, And I'm going to tell you something. I think John's very shy. John's always been shy. Even when I first met him, he was shy uh, when we did Better Off Dead. Um, But I think at the time when he was younger and shy, it was, you know, he was starting his career. and I. But he definitely, we had a blast during Better Off Dead. He was laughing. I'm telling you, he was fun and upbeat and he was into it and it was early in his career maybe he didn't go through some you know whatever disappointments or whatever you know with expectations of the business and it changed him but for whatever reason um now i would have to say you know he's i don't know if it, he's been stung or if he's just i don't know what's going on but i have to say that he is still sweet to me and lovely to me, but I feel like he carries he carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I think there's a couple of things. One is I think he, in his mind, wanted to be taken more seriously. So maybe that was the first part of it, you know, or the business. Um, but the, the second part is I think he's just he is just a shy guy and. You know, I, I have told him he should do conventions and because people will go crazy because they adore him and he doesn't know how much he, you know, meant to the world. You know, um, you know, he's people grew up with him. He was like the everyman as a kid, like everyone saw themselves. He was endearing and better off dead. Um, people were him. And, you know, they became him in their eyes. And so I think that um, I feel like as he gets you know is in the business more and more hopefully it'll open up more and hopefully it would be wonderful if we all did a better off dead convention or i even told him when i saw him i said john we should work together we should do something together so you know i think maybe one day he'll be open to it and he'll allow it but who knows you know i think it is i did see people come up to him and he sometimes you know is more like glasses or he doesn't want to look people in the eye and i just i'm going to tell you you know i think it's just more of he's shy and he's had to go through certainly i think a lot more than i have in the business Um, i think i think the issue uh, is like when they when they start doing these shows i mean you've done many shows conventions yeah but but you i like it i like meeting people so i and i'm going to tell you something i started mm. you know i started so young my attitude was i you know be grateful when people know you because there's a time where they may not. And you know, that's, it's a moment in time. So I'm very sociable with that. I, I, I think that you embrace the fandom to, to where he does not so much. And I think that's what the issue is. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't approach anybody. I've, I've met a lot of people over the years. I don't expect them to kiss my ass. I don't expect any <laughs> of that stuff. I just expect, right. you know, a little, not like a little something, but a little like, you know, just let me know you're happy no, to be here. You know, I know yeah. most of these people do, These are this is their bread and butter as far as yeah. like going to these nostalgia conventions and, and selling autographs, whatever. You know, but pretend yeah. like you, you have fans out there that love you because you do have fans out there that love you. Like you said, he doesn't look people in the eye. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that's a problem because if you're not open 
Yeah, it's, it's sad. I mean, I know he doesn't understand that giving back is such an important part of life, you know, and you can't, again, you can't choose how people see you, you know? And, um, I mean, look, I will say this, if you are an actor and you do your acting and you don't want to be, you know, you do not want to be in the, you do not want, you want to separate your life. Now you want to be like, I don't want to have any, and like, I want to be in my own, then don't do conventions. Then don't do them. You know, don't, I mean, just, just don't show up. Where you I, mean, will meet people. I hate, I hate to say yeah. stay out, but if you're going to be, you know, a smug, I, I hate to use the word prick, you know, I just stay mm-hmm. home you know it just it's yeah if you're not feeling it like, I, I know a lot of people have bad days i have my bad days to where i'm just not i'm yeah. not feeling it you know so i leave people alone i yeah i just i just feel that so i i he's not the only one i've ever met like this i can name names but i'm not i'm not going to sit here and speak speak ill of people right i i hope he's well wherever he is trust me right you know but i think until he embraces the fandom I mean, Burt Reynolds started doing shows later on in his life before he passed, and I hear he was just flabbergasted by the fandom that that people, so Aww. many people, you know, loved him and he came out just yeah. to see him. And you know, Burt Reynolds is like he gets it, like he gets it, right? Like he understands. Like that's what I mean. Let's put it this way: we're nothing. Actors are nothing without their fans. Honestly, it's the way it is. You know, you could want to be an actor. You can want, want, want. But truly, like, it's not about you. It's about people watching you and you playing a role. You have to service the world. We all have a purpose. Every single person has a purpose. You know, some people go to school and they teach. Some people, you know, fix cars. You do a purpose in life. And the actor's job is to play the role and make people believe that they're that character um, and entertain, you know, whether it be horror or drama, whatever. So you can't sit and think that, you know, you got to do the purpose and the audience. I don't know. I just it, it comes from, I think, just seeing the big picture. You got to see the big picture. So I'm very grateful the conventions I've done, the people I've met, which is why I'll do a lot of uh, podcasts. I mean, you know, I I like the idea of spreading good energy. You know, and that I, I appreciate that very much. You know, because sometimes sometimes I need that in my life. And yeah, I, I we think, all do, uh, right? When me and yeah. my friend Suzanne left your table, we we felt a little more positive because of it, because the, because of the, you know the the way you are, and that's a think, oh, that's, nice. that's an important quality to have. Uh, Especially as you get older. I mean, I, I think a lot of people lose faith or happiness in life as you get older. Sometimes people think is being um, being grouchy is part of being an adult. No, 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 no. You have to look. Happiness is a choice. Anything can happen to you. People might think, oh, you know, your life must not be that hard. No, I my life is hard, too, but I don't wear it on my sleeve and I don't make other people suffer for my life. I do my thing. And I, I, my feeling is I choose to, you know, I'm not fake. I'm sincere, but I choose to look at situations in the big, in the big picture and to, and and it makes a difference. And I, you know, it makes me, I'm a deeper person. You know, I don't just go and uh, some people are very reactive, which, okay, fine. That's totally cool. You are a reactive person. You're emotional. You're upset with something. You just are reactive. But Remember what you put back into the world. As an adult, I think we can make better choices, you know, if you can. You know, and, and you know what? The only self-esteem you're ever going to get is by how you – I always say – like I'll say to my husband, you know, you may have a choice of what's happening in life, but you have a choice of how to deal with it. And when you look back and from six months from now, like you – it's let's say six months from now and you're looking back at the situation, how do you wish you had behaved? You know, with dignity or just like losing it, you know? So that's kind of how you kind of gauge your world, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I, I get it. And, um, yeah, I appreciate this. And Go team. Uh, go team. Yeah, go, go <laughs> right. positivity. I, I love yeah. it so much. Um, yeah, but you, you have a, a full career going on right now. And uh, you, you, you're, yeah. you're a mother. You're, you're, okay. Did you marry into the De Laurentiis family? This is what's going on here? Well, my family is um, – it is De Laurentiis family. It's a distant. Um, my husband writes for Fairly Odd Parents, or he did write for the show for like 15 years. Nice. And he uh, – yeah, he's, if you look under the credits, it says Ray De Laurentiis. He's the writer, a story editor, producer of the show, um, a producer. And he worked with Butch Hartman who – the idea and the character and um 
uh, he drew the character and, uh, yeah, Butch is awesome. And so, but my husband worked just the two of them mainly, uh, worked on the show. Um, and then, um, let's see what else. Uh, yeah. And then, so, and I, we've been married like 30 years, which is kind of amazing in the, in the world, probably known each other for 35. Um, and my daughter is Olivia. She's a filmmaker. She actually has a, a show on, on Snapchat. So anybody who's interested, you check out Apocalypse Goals. And that's my daughter. She is a, a filmmaker, writer, uh, director, actress. She wants to have her own show. And this is her own show with her comedy partner, Sydney Heller. And they go by Barely Legal Comedy. Don't forget comedy. You can look at them on uh, YouTube. But Apocalypse Goals is hilarious. So go check out her new series. And she just got picked up for another uh, second season, which I'm super duper excited about. I mean, her dream is coming true. And my son is a musician. He plays the double bass. And you can check him out on Spotify, Nick DeLaurentis. And he's writing his own music. And he's got an album coming out. So check nick out so yeah we have a very creative family that's like the main focus of our family so what, what do you the have only thing up, that, girl? yeah well and then i have a sh- um, film i have a uh, sort of a small role but i have a, a open film called high holiday and it's going to come out i think around christmas so that film should be coming out um and that's kind of a fun that's a comedy part which was really cute and uh that's with jennifer tilly who i worked for with before on a show called boone uh years ago i worked on a series with her she played my girlfriend uh in the show and um and then who else and i had um uh oh yeah and then um tom arnold is also in it and cloris leachman yeah so it's a great cast yeah, That's and amazing. it's called High Holiday, so you'll definitely like it. So that'll come out in theaters, I think, in probably November, December. And uh, and then doing the New Jersey Comic Con in October. So that's going on. And then also I teach. I teach acting to kids. Uh, so I'm constantly giving back, and uh, I'm actually incredibly happy. The only thing that's really hard right now, and I will say one thing is hard, is my dog is – 14 and so that's really hard so he's he's very old and that's like the hardest thing right now is dealing with sort of like the hospice of dog world but yeah, um we, we just had to put um our eldest dog down she she wasn't oof. doing well and it was hard you know yeah it's harder, i've it's never harder. i've never done it so we're really like on the you know the fence with that i mean it's hard i don't even know how people do it it's, it's really well, that's terrible it's difficult yeah terrible respiratory problems towards the end and weight loss um, and it, it was it was cruel to keep her alive let's yeah put it that way what kind of dog did you have she was she was a puggle we, we still have two uh, the, the the male chihuahua was her buddy and she she's these depressed let's put it that way more depressed uh, than any of us yeah. right yeah, yeah. It's hard. Our, we have what's called a clumber spaniel, which is sort of like a 90-pound cocker spaniel. They look like yeah. white St. Bernard's. He's huge and adorable, and he loves – he still loves to eat, but he can't walk very well now. And uh, Life, 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 life. So yeah, so enjoy right. your animals, people, if you have them. Love them. They, love they them all the family, time. family, people. Family, yeah. family, family. Yeah. I hate those people that say, "Oh, it's just a dog." Well, well, f you very no. much. You know, no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have a dog then. Stop it. F you very yeah. much, sir. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but um, so. yeah. Um, just nothing else. I want to say thank you, first and foremost, for for doing this. This has been over an hour of us talking, and that's all that's right. A, I have to go to another one actually today, so I've got to get myself going. But I appreciate. We had a lovely time talking with you. You're a sweetheart. And, um, you know, I hope this does well. And please send me the link. And I'm interested in, in finding out how you, what you said about uh, the Bride War Red, because um, I'm sure anything you say is going to be entertaining and fun. And uh, um, I'll, I should rewatch it. Everyone should watch it. It's kind of, it's a cool episode. Yeah, that's it. Uh, they're a lot of fun to watch, like I said. But um, yeah. I'll uh, end this here and thank you again. All right. Thank you. <laughs>
always say like for every person who loves me, there's somebody who hates me and then they hate me just because somebody else loves me. So it doesn't really matter. Oh. You know, it's like whatever. Right. That's, that's, that's gotta be a lie, but I, I, I don't, I don't oh, believe that. Well, have you ever seen Last American Virgin? Then you'd know. <laughs> well, you know, well, well, well that's so funny, that's yeah. a film. That's fiction. We'll yeah. talk. We'll talk yeah. about that for sure. You know, because uh, okay. I've met Mr. Monison, and I can tell you that uh, he kind of had it coming. <laughs> <It's>, uh, yeah. 